Good Friday. I'm here with Chase Geyser. How are you, Chase? I'm doing well, man. It's an honor and a pleasure to be with you. I've been a fan for a long time. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, thanks. Thanks for being here. I'm uh, joined by Chase Geyser, uh, a member of the team over at InfoWars, uh, InfoWarsStore.com, as well as um, you can check both of his socials are in my in the description uh, on Twitter. He's at Real Chase Geyser, G-E-I-S-E-R. Also, you can see. Oh wait, no. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, it's in the. He's got it in his screen there too. And then obviously his Instagram and stuff like that. How are you doing on this Friday, man? I'm doing good, man. Love Fridays because Friday nights my wife doesn't work, so I can stay late at the office, do fun stuff for the Info War. <laughs> That's uh, a tr spoken like a true workaholic. Uh, I I can understand that. I know there are times when like my wife has dog training class, and I'm like, oh sweet, I can. She's like, oh, what'd you do while I was gone? Oh, I worked. You know, <laughs> I worked, and that was fun. Well, when you do what you love, it doesn't feel like work. Uh, if I was in some cubicle somewhere plugging in numbers and spreadsheets then i would make every excuse not to come into the office but it's it's a little different over here at infowars it's a lot of fun yeah i suppose that office has got to be a little wild you never really know uh what to expect who's coming in i know you do a lot of work you bounce around there a lot um what have you been what have you been working on lately what's uh what's been uh you know what what do you want to share with the people yeah, so many things. So one of the first things I did when I started working here last summer was just experimenting with a lot of these new AI tools. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've made a lot of ads for Alex and InfoWars that have run during the breaks because we're still on radio, so we still have breaks, of course. Yeah. And a lot of the AI models and stuff that I've made uh, or, or that you see on InfoWars were made by me. I also uh, serve as a guest host whenever any of the main hosts can't come into the office. So today Alex is out because he's giving his voice a rest. He was losing his voice earlier this week. So they shifted the schedule around a little bit, and I covered the morning show, the American Journal, which is usually hosted by Harrison Smith. And I'm also involved in just a number of different sort of behind-the-scenes projects to try to think, make things operate a little bit more efficiently, see how we can innovate. Because for a long time, due to all the sort of conflicts that InfoWars has been involved mm -hmm. in, for lack of a better term, <laughs> we were in a holding pattern. And now that we're back on X and things are really blowing up again, there's a culture sort of mindset shift happening here at InfoWars where we're thinking about how we're not thinking about how to survive so much anymore as we're thinking about how to expand. Right. Uh, so yeah. we're, we're right. So we're on the offense now. Yeah. That's a lot more fun for sure. The, yeah. um, the, uh, I wanted to get, I wanted to talk about a couple of the, uh, news bits out there. Um, but you mentioned AI. Have you seen this like, AI puppies in the snow video going around. On, yeah, uh, Sorth, on that was announced yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm disappointed it's not released to the public yet. They only have a few creators, I believe, that have access to test it. But it's it's going to AI is going to change everything. We know that. We've been talking about it for a long time, and it, it's it's so incredible at the rapid pace of the change. I think it's really going to shock a lot of people. My philosophy on this stuff is. You have to lean into that which is inevitable and adapt, even even though it's uncomfortable sometimes to face the stark reality that a lot of the things that you thought you were good at, you just simply won't be able to compete with AI doing those things anymore. So yeah, it's, it's gonna be a crazy time. What is the um? I forget the name of the principle. It was um, 
It used to be you used they used to use it about processors, like every Moore's law. yeah, Moore's law, yeah, yeah. Um, it, yeah. it's wild at uh, when you look at AI. I mean, it it's basically yeah. I know people have been cooking with it behind the scenes for some time, but just the leap it's made in six months uh, is bananas. And you know, for me, I I think I remember. I don't know if this was Tim Pool's original idea or not, but I, I remember him saying something about AI along these lines where entertainment is no longer new. Like, you're just going to say, hey, I want to watch a movie about dinosaurs with big boobs and um, and guns and and a mystery, whatever. And it's just going to iterate. A jet, you know, you, you're going to be right. able to just watch a, a show about that that's completely AI generated. And at the time, I was yeah. like, "Wow, it feels like we're ways off on that." But now I'm like, "No, nah, this would be like next year." We are so close to being able to make the correct Star Wars movies that Disney should have made. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Analyze every single YouTube channel that's Star Wars theory. Analyze every book about Star Wars that's ever been written. Analyze the original movies, and then create a script that is the most coherent, logically sound, and intact with traditional canon of what the next three movies really should have been. It'll write the script, then you can render the actors, and you can render the voices, and you can render the special effects. We are going to be able to make our own Star Wars movies as they should have been made, and it's going to be so embarrassing for Disney. That's why I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. When you looked at the writer's strike, um, the big yeah. thing there was AI. And, you know, I've it's always been like in my back burner, you know, just like crypto was, and I missed out on that. And then um, with AI... I feel like I'm a little bit more up on it. And at the time when that, that was really their big sticking point. And I was like, Oh, now I get it. Now I get it. Like they're done. Like Hollywood writers, you're going to have like, you're going to go from a writing room of 25 blue haired land whales to one person who's like a proofreader editor. Cause you know, AI will still make mistakes here and there. You, you, this is going to decimate the entertainment industry and I'm here for it. But I mean, I, I love it for sure. Yeah. And it, on the one hand, it's a scary thing because we wonder how that's going to impact sort of the human condition and our culture and our psychology. And then are people going to sort of atrophy in terms of what skills they have in a generation from now and be unable to write in any sort of a coherent, good way. And on the other hand, it's just going to shift which skills are valuable. So mm -hmm. rather than the technical skills being important, like how to write, how to code, what's going to become important is having the big picture idea. So instead of doing what someone else says needs to be done, like most Americans who are employed do, right. we are going right. to have to think about, all right, what do I want this tool to do for me, right? So thinking about, all right, what should I have it create? The people who know what needs to be created are going to be much more valuable than the people traditionally who have actually done the creating. Yeah, they don't. Um, I think I'm getting a little, uh, I'm hearing myself. Oh, maybe it went away there. It was just repeating for some reason. Um, the people that, yeah, I think like the idea of people are still going to be fine uh, because you still have to kind of create something that's entertaining. Um, but it's going to, the, the way I try to refer to it to people is the impact on the American worker will be far bigger than even the personal computer was. The, mm -hmm. There are so many businesses right down to like, I've got a tool and die guy, a friend of mine, he's a tool and die 
um, uh, muckety muck from Milwaukee tools. I don't know what his exact role is. They're using AI in like every conceivable way. And it's like, AI is just like this thing. It's like a jelly that can get applied in a lot of different, at a lot of different areas. I do worry about, you know, I, I think AI is not going to dig coal. AI is not going to fix cars. These jobs are still, trades are still going to, trades are going to boom because of AI. You're going to actually have to get jobs in factories. Yeah, right. The, yeah. The, the idea of, you know, learn to code, it's going to be like, oh no, 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 no. Those jobs are gone too. You're going to have to move and, and lift heavy landscape. boxes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going to be wild to see. I think there will be, you know, I think anyone who's in like the trades right now or, um, you know, the service industry, these people will be fine. It's the, all the, like the extra fat in the entertainment industry. And I mean, television, they brought, they signed this contract, but it's, it's not, I mean, of course, Hollywood's going to replace them. Of course they will. You don't have to pay AI. You, you just, I mean, you can, you might have like iter iterations of it that are your own, right? Like, so Disney will have will will use AI, but they'll have their own version of it, and they'll have their own they use AI for uh, Darth Vader's voice. I think they licensed his voice, and mm -hmm. now they just render it with text to speech to sound yeah. just like him. Yeah, and it's perfect. And they'll be able to do they'll be able to keep characters living forever. Um, you know, with this way, where you know you you got people like everybody loved James Earl James Earl Jones, but he'll be irrelevant now. Like he just you know, you won't even need an original voice actor. You'll be able to just modulate, get it sounding how you want. Voice acting will be dead. There'll be, you know, I, I think I don't mean to be that doom and gloom about it, but I see how fast it's moved in six months. I can't even, I can't even extrapolate it out what six years would look like. By this time next year, I think you're going to see major industries affected uh, in a big way, middle management, all this kind of stuff, number crunchers, all this stuff's going to go away. I agree with you. What concerns me most about the AI conversation is not so much the traditional debate around it as to whether or not it'll enslave humanity or is it going to be Terminator okay. or is it going to be the Matrix, so much as it is how these tools develop and who owns them, right? Yes. So we had this situation with OpenAI where it was originally founded as this nonprofit with a mission to have this open source AI tool. Elon Musk was involved back then. Later on, they took on a bunch of money from Microsoft. Yep, and, and kicked out their own uh, president, right? Yeah, and Elon Musk left after that. They, they, they changed their mission. It's not open source anymore. So now we have a situation where these, these major conglomerates, these, these giant businesses, and sort of political interest groups, for lack of a better term, yeah. have all of the control over the development of this cutting edge technology. They have all the CPU power that you need in order to analyze the entire internet to process all of these things. And what they're simultaneously doing is they're lobbying our political leaders in Congress specifically to increase regulation on artificial intelligence in the name of safety and national security. But what it's really doing is it's making it difficult for someone to legally create an AI tool in their garage that mm -hmm. could potentially be a competitor to these sort of establishment artificial intelligence conglomerates that are that there are. So I'm concerned that we're going to arrive in a world or in a United States where there's one or two or three major AI tools controlled basically 
by the government using these major corporations as proxies, similar to how they used these major tech companies as proxies to violate the First Amendment with right. the censorship they did on, on the social media platforms. And the tools are going to be so powerful that there's going to be a major propaganda advantage. So if you have an AI that is the only you know substantial AI that's available to the public that is amazing with all the features and bells and whistles, but it's sort of quietly programmed to endeavor over the course of months to convince a populace that X issue is they should land on this side of X issue or that side of Y issue. That's incredibly problematic to me. I'm very concerned about that. Yeah. And that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, that's it's I don't even think it's a, you know, Alex tinfoil hat moment to think that because the most powerful people in the world will control it. Um, it's a, somewhat akin to, you know, looking at the operating systems in the early computing days where like Microsoft there was windows and there was nothing else, you know, for a while, you know, Linux was out there for people who were nerding and wanted that. But then once they have, have that level of control, it's like cell phones. Look at, look at a, a perfect, another example would be like, look at cell phones. There are two major companies in charge of 99.9% .9 of cell phones and they control the flow of information, whether or not they want to let you on the app store, whether or not they want to let, your co competitive app compete and that's how it will be with ai you know google will own the big one and apple will own one and amazon will own one and the government will will by proxy own all of them through regulations and um you're right my my one white pill about the propaganda uh you know concern is that we've had journalists doing that for 20 years so I'm hoping that there will still be yeah, journalists are retarded. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, they are. 65 now or 155. I think they're saying for Chat GPT five. This I say that again. I think Chat GPT five. I saw somewhere the other day, just in passing, that it's supposed to have an IQ of 155, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, that's genius level, um, or yeah. very close to it. I think 160 is it? Right. Whatever. Like Don Lemon. Yeah. Well, Don Lemon, if you. Yeah, Don Lemon's big IQ. Yeah, the I think the interesting part about AI will be, you know, the big picture big picture question that you bring up is um one aspect of it. The other aspect of it that I'm that interests me is um, you know, how it's gonna affect the people I hate most. You're probably right. It'll probably just replace a bunch of journalists like the Wall Street Journal. All these places, remember, I think GNO Media, which owns like a bunch of failing propaganda websites, tried to roll it out early. And it just, it was very obviously AI written articles. It was very obvious spelling mistakes. I'm like, in, in six months, that will be gone. That will be perfect. There'll be no, you won't be able to tell any difference. It'll be have, have its own personality. It'll write articles. So I wonder what all the journalists are going to do and all the, and all the, I'm surprised they're not writing more hit pieces about AI. They, they must not see the writing on the wall that they're all going to be replaced. Well, maybe it's just the fact that they know it's inevitable. It's it's resistance is is futile. So to speak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're all using it to write their articles. So to write to tell AI to write an article about how bad AI is for journalists is pretty ironic. I mean, it's yeah, uh, that's true. But you're right. I think a lot of these journalists are going to be replaced. But you also have to keep in mind, too, that you have to 
tell it what story to write. You know what I mean? So I use ChatGPT to formulate uh, articles that I put together and threads that I that I write on uh, on, on Twitter. I never post anything, just copy paste right. from ChatGPT. But I'll do things like go into ChatGPT and say, uh, "Does Russia have nukes in space?" And it'll spit back a paragraph to me about how. It's a violation of the 1967 Outer Space Treaty for Russia or any other nation to have nukes in space. Right? That's a good blurb oh, to have. Yeah. Right. Then I, I take that. Right. And then I take an article about about the recent revelations that there might be nukes in space or, or pending nukes in space from Russia. And I say, summarize this article in bullet points. Right. Then I say, write an article that combines the outer the 1967 Outer Space Theory and these bullet points in the style of Matt Taibbi, and it'll spit out this thing that I can just tweak. And yes, AI has really done a lot of the, the tedious work of it, but that AI couldn't, that article would not exist if I hadn't had the insight or the input or, you know, to right. put, to sort of connect the dots together. You know what I mean? So it's right now it's sort of like a partner or an assistant or just like a bandmate, if, if you will, right. uh, in this, in this creative project, it's not sort of doing everything itself, but I don't think I'm not like trying to toot my own horn. It's pretty simple. What I just explained to you, but I think there's a lot of people, man, that like, don't, don't think even on those simple terms at that level to like put, put use tools in ways that they weren't necessarily intended to make creative things. Yeah. You, that's true. And I wonder, um, you know, when you look at that, oh, I had something popped in my head when you were saying that. Now I forgot. Um, it'll be idea. interesting. No, I, I should have written it down. Um, I'm curious, you know, right. It'll still be, what was it about? It was about chat GPT. It was about, replacing journalists replacing journalists and then um ah I've, i'll forget it'll come back to me later probably but it was um you know it's just you are right like people still need to use it as a tool there will be many versions of it out there um and i'm hoping that it it's like moving so quickly that, you know our government is not going to be able to regulate this think about think about nancy pelosi talking to maxine waters about artificial intelligence like these idiots don't even understand, you know, very simple theories other than how to inside trade. They're not going to be able to regulate it. It's the genie's out of the bottle, essentially. Like that's there. There's no way uh, that it can be controlled uh, from the government level easily. You know, it's going to be yeah, out innovation, there. People... Innovation typically outpaces regulation because the regulators are typically not as bright as the innovators. Yeah, I mean that's we saw that with um the last big time this happened was like uh I remember cloning. Like uh they were they were like, "Oh crap, we're ready to clone a human and uh, we better write a we have to quick like do a law about uh preventing that," which I'm sure yeah, they like, oh, too late. I already cloned my dog five times." Yeah, right. That's what I mean. Like I was like, "Uh well, okay." Um some of the other news stories going on out there that I wanted to get Are you following this uh Fanny Willis debacle in court yeah so I, w I watched her testimony with the dress on backwards what an incredible sight dress on backwards american flag pin upside down i mean she's just cooked right i mean i i have no faith in you know our legal system anymore quite frankly um but i think that she it, it's my opinion that she may be a sacrificial lamb like she might be too far. She might be too fucked to to yeah. get out of this one. Well, what's crazy is how much more sense she was making 
than anything I've heard from Joe Biden since 2016. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's another scary, dude. Like she's she, she rolls in with a backwards dress on. She's not even supposed to take the stand that day. Apparently, she just decides to go to court. Then she proceeds to explicitly incriminate herself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything she said, I actually under I did. I, it was asinine, but I understood. So, like, when you have somebody like that who makes more sense than the the president of the United States in the context of any number of these conflicts that we're involved with that could easily result in World yeah. War Three, it's just it's kind of a scary time, man. It's like. It's, you just have to laugh like uh, the comedian from Watchmen at some, at some point. Yeah, well, that's yeah. I mean, I, I'm watching it. and It's like we see several of these revelations that this and that. I don't know. What's that mayor? There's like this black female mayor, too, who's like uh, under fire right now for like having weird posters of herself all around the city and spending all this money on police protection. And like she's corrupt as hell. Then there's somebody in Minnesota. It might have been Chicago. No, well, the mayor of Chicago had another brain dead. Um, let's get rid of this awesome technology that lets police know when people are firing guns mm -hmm. for reasons. Like, I don't even understand what he was thinking with that. And again, like, I thought it, it couldn't get worse than um, Beetlejuice. But this guy is even worse than her. It's crazy, too, because uh, you see memes all the time from different pundits and political leaders, how just bizarre and demonic and alien they look. It's it's almost as if and I'm probably just biased because I get a disproportionate amount of this, these bad images and, and gifts and memes <laughs> yeah, of, of these yeah. people. But it's almost as if the more evil you are, the more just wretched you look. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 um, I, <laughs> yeah, if there's something, <clears throat> I mean, Alex would probably go down a, a different path there on why they look the way they do and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's just like, um, you know, I, I think the, the ultimate, I, I just wonder now today we're going to get, I think, a verdict in Trump's New York trial, yeah. which will probably be another, uh, hundred million. Oh, people in chat are mad at me about, spot uh spot shoot at spy tech they don't like it oh i guess maybe uh, that's one perspective gunshots yeah all right okay i guess i guess i guess i never really thought about it from um a two-way perspective i just thought about it from a hey people are getting shot in the face at a record rate in chicago and other big cities it would be helpful if the police could get there in time um but yeah i suppose I, I'm, I'm still just a sweet summer child when it comes to, you know, how evil the government is. I just think yeah. I just well, thought it's easy to it's easy to just default to pragmatic thinking, right? Like, oh, well, why don't we just do this? You're like, that right. makes a lot more sense. But then when you like look at the unintended consequences and the nature of government and how it has no conscience and only seeks power for something, you're like, oh, that's probably a bad idea for us to give it that capability. Like, yeah, it be, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just be the president of the United States. Obviously, yeah. it would be more intelligent than any of the ones that we've had for the last hundred years. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it would be pretty close. Like, I think he would get a pretty, a, a much more even, um, you know, uh, it'd probably be more even keeled. Um, I think Joe Biden is pretty close to just cool. an empty husk. So you could probably just replace, you know, th that's that's the thing. You start connecting things like Neuralink and AI 
we're getting pretty close. Like we're getting pretty close to like in our lifetime, seeing some like flesh bags that are like, you know, fully AI controlled and driven. And that's a little concerning. And, and this sort of ties into what we we're just talking about with the pragmatic thinking versus the reality of just how corrupt things are. The Neuralink thing is amazing for people who are paralyzed, people who have mm -hmm. issues. Imagine being able to do research or look anything up just by sort of thinking it or willing it in a direction, just like you could will the movement of your hand. The technology itself sounds amazing, but then when you look at the implications of, okay, so what if a Neuralink gets hacked and, and it right. starts speeding back and, and manipulating people? And what, what if it could be destructed or what if it could be used to monitor and read the thoughts of all people into a central database? There are so many negatives about it too, that it's, it's terrifying. So even though on the surface, good people typically take longer to recognize evil because yeah, yeah, they just yeah. don't think like that, you know, it's so, like, Oh, this is great. Like, you know, so-and-so can walk again, but then you see how it plays out and it's like minority report and no time. Yeah, I mean, Alex was talking about how he's got a family member that it's not Neuralink, but it's some other brain thing that like stops him from having seizures. He was having seizures like yeah. every, you know, very often. Yeah, it's like, it's like wow. a for your brain. Yeah, it's like, holy crap, that's like an amazing technology. That person would have had, probably would have died or, you know, had absolutely no quality of life. And now look at how awesome it is. And then you're like, oh, you flip the page. It's like U.S. military brain implants. And you're like, oh. Mm. Of course, we can't have anything nice. <laughs> we can't just have anything. Uh, we can't just, oh, uh, Jeremy Dalton, Illinois, Tiffany Henyard. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's who that, I think that's who that person is. It's like all these, uh, they all happen to be Democrats. Not that I don't think, by the way, I'm not somebody that doesn't, I mean, there are plenty of garbage Republicans. Um, sure. You know, I mean, uh I don't know if you saw that. Did you see um, President Biden's tweet last night, which was basically threatening anyone who didn't support Ukraine? He was like, uh, "Any forgetting to support Ukraine will be remembered," or something like that. It's like, bro, yeah, I saw that. Like, I saw that. Um, how about? Yeah, forgetting to you know, uh, I mean, leaving America behind will will not be forgotten either, buddy. Like, I'm hoping. God, I hope people go out and vote in November. Like. I wish we had a better I wish we had better options than two guys who are going to be 100 years old soon but to me at least one is very clearly more there uh, mentally and 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 cares about America generally um and doesn't yeah, send out so threatening tweets for me it's an easy decision not because I'm like a Trump cultist or just some sort of kiss ass to trump or mega i do love the mega movement and i like trump a lot he's but, a cool you know, guy like like personally yeah. it's hard to not like him yeah it's no brainer for to, to vote for him in my opinion just because all of the world's super villains hate him even That's putin it. came out yesterday yeah like if everybody that i hate hates him then obviously that's a better choice than biden who everybody pretends they like yeah they that I think even the I think even the I think even the Democrats I I felt like it it was a work when they sent him out there and did that press conference. Um, they just let him flounder. Yeah, it was like, oh man, this guy really is brain dead. Like he just really, 
he's gotten far worse in the in the four years that he's been president. And I mean, when anybody asks, when everyone pretends like it doesn't, Trump is the only modern day president that I saw really didn't affect him. Look what eight years as president did to Barack Obama. It looked like that dude age. He was, I mean, that guy is healthy, fit, young. It looked like he aged 25 years in his presidency. And I mean, I don't think, I mean, Biden, by the way, every president seems to set the record. People don't know how, just how much this dude's on vacation. He's on vacation almost all the time. Like he is never yeah, he, at he's work. He's on vacation like three out of every five days, but he's out to lunch 24 <laughs> seven, bro. Yeah, that's yeah, and I think that number three out of five is pretty damn close. I think it's it's something think it's like really hot. Yeah, yeah. For me, I, I maybe this is unrealistic expectation, but I've always thought like, bro, you have four years, you don't get to take vacation. I never understood this. All oh, we need to take five hundred vacations. Now I'm sure their vacations are not, you know, like going to Disneyland and turning off your cell phone for a week. But it's like, you have four years to do this job. You don't get vacation. You have the most important job on the planet, bro. Like, there is no taking vacation. Imagine, imagine being the leader of the United States, knowing that there is this escalating war in Ukraine. There's this conflict between Israel and uh, the Gaza Palestine. Strip. There's, yeah. this, there's this, this, is this potential annexation of Taiwan by China. It would, there, there are so many crises the Red globally. Sea stuff. In addition to just our struggles here, imagine being responsible for all of that and actually being able to enjoy going to the beach for an afternoon. I know you'd have to be totally a total lunatic. I can't even take like I'm always you're probably the same way. Like you've I've always got to have an eye on what's going on in the news. Like as much as I hate Twitter and I think it's turned into a clickbait cesspool, like I have to be watching it all the time because I'm like, oh, shit, I need to know what's going on. Uh, I, I need to, I make videos. I need to be able to talk intelligently about what's going on. And I'm not the president. And, and by the way, that goes for everybody like Trump. I don't know how much he was golfing. You know, if I'll criticize Biden, for, I'll criticize Trump too. That dude was golfing like every weekend. I'm like, isn't, isn't golf. And I'm not just trying to like be an apologist for Trump, but isn't golfing often a business meeting? It is often. Um, I don't think it was for Trump. He would go to Mar-a-Lago and chill. Now, granted, it's also different to go, you know, play 18 holes of golf um, and then go back to work versus going to Camp David for a week um, or, you know, um, where does Biden go? Delaware or something all the time. Um, there are degrees to, to that. Um, sure. I think um, you mentioned earlier about the space nukes. I mean, are we. It's like. Do they think Americans are stupid? Like, I, I happen to think this whole, I don't know, they've probably been pushing it forever. I've only really been paying attention since 2016. Like, a lot of people who are, like, basically forced into politics. I didn't want to care about politics. Politics was thrust upon the things I loved, the hobbies that I loved. I just wanted to open Magic the Gathering cards and play video games. And then politics was thrust upon me. I, I've never really been afraid of Russia my entire life. But the media continues to say, Oh my God, Russia's this crazy, you know, superpower that can do all this stuff. I'm like, they can't even defeat Ukraine. I'm, I'm supposed to be worried about now. They're like, oh, people, uh oh, Tucker Carlson um, humanized the struggle in Russia. Um, let's put out this story about them having space nukes. Like, wh what? I, I mean, 
where is this even coming from? So what's particularly bizarre about the space nukes leaks press briefing, whatever you want to call it, whatever the yeah, hell propaganda yeah. is I, I was under the impression just as a regular American person who went to public school, regardless of being a political, I don't know, social media guy or whatever. Yeah. I was under the impression that it was established many decades ago that both the United States and Russia had the power to destroy the entire world at any moment if they wanted to. Isn't right. that like the whole premise of the Cold War? Right. Pretty so sure. when they come out and say now they've got space nukes, my thought is, yeah, but they are they could already kill like we What's already established just yeah, like oh, so they have another way that they they could destroy the world in addition to the way that they already had. Like, yeah. who cares? <laughs> you know. So it, it's very obviously a psyop to me. I think that they're trying to publicly accuse Russia of violating the the Outer Space Treaty of 1967, so that NATO can use that to legally justify more explicit action against Russia, actual boots on the ground, uh, before Ukraine is completely defeated. Yeah, I I honestly think. You know, no matter how I think, I think um, I when I think of Ukraine funding, I think of a, the term sunk cost, and like, I don't care how much money. I saw somebody tweet this, and it was I was like, yeah, that's basically true. Like, you could steal another nine hundred billion from Americans, and Ukraine is still not going to win this. Like, I just I I, I don't know who. You know, it's so funny to watch the propaganda where they're like, oh, Russia's putting um, you know. 80 year old men on the front lines and this, that, and the other thing I'm like, and then like mentally uh, handicapped people and this, that, and the other thing I'm like, there is in no world where Ukraine, if Russia, you know, would actually push, I don't know why they're being, they're trying to be strategic. I don't know if Russia, I mean, they're not defeating Russia. I, I don't understand it. They're, they're like, yeah. we can keep pumping money in there, keep sanctioning them and try to get them to come to the table on a peace treaty. Um, but I don't understand how regular Americans think Russia's not just going to do what they want to do when it comes to Ukraine. Now, they want to push in further. They want to. OK, that's a different conversation. But that was also another psyop lie. Oh, we got to we got to fund Ukraine because Russia wants to invade Europe. No, they don't. They couldn't possibly Even they'd have they no did, chance. You'd rather have Europe occupied by Orthodox Russians than radical extremist Muslim refugees. Well, I mean, you'd have to ask the people. Have that wouldn't be solved by a Russian occupation. <laughs> I, don't <even> <laughs> I was just saying, wouldn't it be cooler? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I have friends in the UK and in that area who are relatively insulated from it because they're like content creators and they probably don't have to, you know, you know, go to work every day on the train and stuff like that. But the yeah. pictures I see, I mean, freaking, you know, acid attacks, uh, I just saw some woman over there arrested for female genital mutilation. Another great thing that they imported with all those uh, fighting age men that were even like Ricky Gervais had that bit. He's like, I went down to try to help, uh, get the boat of refugees in to help all the women and children. But it was just all men. Like it was all fighting age, uh, military age men. There were no women and the women yeah, and children thing is the biggest bullshit. Men enter the United States under the illegally under the Biden administration than Russians have entered Ukraine in an invasion. Yeah, it's just a branding thing. Numbers. Yeah, the numbers yeah. are. I mean, I don't know what this does. This the the insane amount of illegals pouring over our border. 
it's every day I, I can look at the New York Post and it's another migrant committing a violent crime. Now, I'm not saying American citizens don't because we just had three um, future doctors in Kansas City indiscriminately spraying bullets into a crowd of football fans, um, which I think is great. I, I think that it's been not great. I mean, it's been very interesting to watch the way the media reports this. You had people in the sports media literally crying on TV about gun control. I'm like, when you guys talk about gun control, you're talking about it when there are school shooters, you, about some white kid, um, you know, who went into a school and did something horrible. These are gangbangers being shitheads. Probably all three of their guns were illegally owned. So what is it that you want? What do you want gun control? You want guns to, to be more difficult to buy? Like it, the, the gun control conversation is always just an end around to infringe on the Second Amendment. And they, and they, they treated this Kansas City thing like it was a school shooting. But it wasn't. It was gangbangers being shitty gangbangers, and all these people got caught in the crossfire. It was wild. Yeah, I I agree. And the, the, the other thing that's just been on my mind regarding the gun control debate is how moot it is. Because let's just say, hypothetically speaking, that there was— <laughs> They're never getting rid of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, so, so guns are now illegal in the United States. All right, I've got three at my house, and I'm not going to fucking give them to you. You right. know what I mean? Like, and there are millions of Americans not gonna get, in this country than people. They're never going to get them. They're never going to get them. They're never going to. Police will not enforce it. Uh, and how are you going to come get them then? All it all it does. It's very much like your your nuke argument. Um, why? You know, what is the point of the gun control debate? Are you going to come take Americans' guns? Are you going to get? the military to disarm American citizens, because that's the only way you, and that's declaring war on your own citizens. That's never happening. You're not going to get local shit to do it. You're not going to get, you're going to get a couple of libs who are like, yeah, I'm turning in my AR to own Trump. Cool. Fine. I would have bought it off you. You know, like it, it, it's, it's always, it, it always ignores the real problem with gun control. And that is, Certain uh, young men in big cities own these guns, commit. I mean, how many people are killed a week in Chicago? A hundred? There's a hundred people shot every weekend in Chicago. It's yeah, insane. It's mostly gang related, though. Yeah, it's mostly gang related and small arms, too. People talk about assault weapons, quote unquote assault weapons, in every single, every time there's a mass shooting. But the vast majority of homicides in this country are committed by handguns. It's over 90%. It's some, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's small arms, it's handguns and it's gang activity. That if you yeah. stop that, you probably stop, I don't know, 75% of murders, which you can't stop. Yeah. But I mean, like well, you, they, they come out against guns as, as you know, the increased likelihood of suicide, Right, right, if you, if you want a handgun, right? But but then literally four point one percent of all Canadians who died last year just died of physician assisted suicide. <laughs> right. And they want to let kids make that decision too, which is also wild. The yeah, yeah the um, by the way, I'm joined uh by Chase Geyser. His links are all in the description. You can check him out on Twitter at Real Chase Geyser. Uh his Instagram's also linked down below, and you can support his work over at InfoWarsStore.com. Get Alex's book. Get some of their brain force. I always tell people you can get the Great Awakening there. That's always a good per Or you can do a sponsorship. 
however you want to do is support his work. Uh, it, it goes a long way. Um, yeah, the, the gun argument to me is so wild. It's like the nuke argument. It's like, why do we do this? You, you want to talk, you want to have the, I mean, I don't want to get into hate facts, but you want to, these people never really want to get into the gun, the real conversation around gun violence. It is crime that you, that not you, but government is refusing to like, you let somebody out of prison after a week, after committing a violent crime and they get to shoot another person. I mean, it's just, if you won't stop the gun violence in your own city, then I don't want to hear about gun regulations because these are not law abiding citizens buying guns. These are criminals buying them off the secondary market, making it harder for me to get a suppressor, making me wait eight months for that. Is that stopping any, is that stopping me from murdering somebody? No, it doesn't. It's like Not regular law. I was going to do it, but at seven yeah. and a half months in waiting, I was changed my mind. Yeah. If they get yeah. it to me right away, I would have done it, man. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, that's the wildest shit. It's like, you, we have to regulate these crazy, you know, uh, law abiding gun purchasers. But we're going to ignore that the overwhelming majority of people who die as you know from gun violence is gang related in the big cities. Like the percentages are shocking. I shared like um, you know, in within even the black community, you look at the, there was this number, this chart going around, um, likelihood deaths per one hundred thousand by race, and in in Wisconsin where I live, it was like 0.79 white and like nearly forty for black. Well, I'm not saying you're 40 times more likely to be shot to death if you're black than if you're white. Yeah. And like, uh, and in some, in like Missouri, it was like 60. It was like, it was like, what was like 1.5 to 60 or something like that. But if you think that's also per 100,000. Right. So it's per capita. Yeah. Yeah. So that number as a percentage is insane. Like, right. You know, I think that, I think the, it's it's so complicated and touchy to talk about these things in the context of race yeah. because obviously it's 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 the word racist is being just thrown around like crazy right so well, this is a I tough combo but the no i think it's safe for for me to say that neither you or i and i don't want to speak for you but i think it's safe for me to say that neither you or i believe that any race is inherently superior or inferior to any Correct. other race i don't birth, yeah right? yeah now i typically think of gun violence and crime less in terms of you know, this is a black community problem versus a, a white community problem, but I think it's more correlated to poverty. Right? Yes, so of course. Inner city. Yeah. If you're a white guy and you grow up in the same neighborhood as gangbangers who happen to be black, you're, I think you're just as likely I to agree. commit some of the crimes that those people commit just because you grow up with nothing. There's no hope. The school sucks. Maybe there's a bad home environment. You're going to have the same behaviors because we're all human beings. And so, we can we can talk about whether or not systemic race or race is the reason that poverty disproportionately affects the black community but to say that gun violence is a black issue i think is a little bit of a mischaracterization not necessarily even a bad intention mischaracterization but but in a misunderstanding of the real cause of crime which like the first thing is like poverty you have poverty you're more likely to have abusive homes because of the stress and it's, there's a lower iq associated with poverty poverty as well and that is also associated with violence i mean it's just a whole flipping mess man well it's an uh, inner city it, issue it's not yeah. a black issue i agree i'm not I'm saying, well, where do black people live in, in their city? And that and they suffer right. insane amounts of gun violence um, perpetrated by other black people who also live there. 
And that's where this conversation and people don't want to police these cities, right? They, don't, they, they get some progressive mayor who moves out of the downtown. Um, you saw that with Seattle. Um, I think it was Seattle that, where their mayor had all these insane progressive policies. Yeah, I forgot and, about that guy. He was kind of like Beto O'Rourke, wasn't he? Yeah. And he he moved out of the inner city because it was too much crime. It's like these people in, in Milwaukee, in order to be a police officer or a firefighter, you used to have to live here uh, in the in the big city. They changed that because no one wanted to live there. So there's no pride in your community. There's no uh, value of life. There's no hope, like you said. And I think the only way you actually help with gun violence is you've got to get in there. You've got to enforce the law. And, uh, you know, most of the people who are committing crimes with guns are not legal owners of those guns. We have laws in place for gun control. Just enforce them. You know, go, go, you want to go in there and you want to find, you know, you put these people in jail for a day. There's, there's no consequences for anything. This is really a lot of Democrat uh T uh, non tough on crime crap. There's lots of poor people that live in trailer parks that aren't shooting each other. Um, this is an inner city Democrat thing. That's true. And I wish that I knew an answer or had a solution to offer, but everything that I could possibly think of, I always arrive at a dead end, right? Yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind is, okay, we need to approve the school system. And then you're like, okay, well, government's going to dump a bunch of money into the school system and literally nothing's going to change. Just like the government dumps millions upon millions of dollars into the homeless crisis in Los Angeles Did and nothing. it just continues to get worse. Right. Yeah. So I don't know what the solution is. And as a result of repeatedly thinking about this and not being able to come to a position on, on how to actually solve the problem, I have just arrived at the point psychologically and emotionally where I just don't give a fuck when these people kill each other. Yeah, that's unfortunate, but it's true. My gun, you know, fuck off. I got a gun. Fuck you, and you're not going to take it. I don't care. Sorry about the violence. I don't care about safety. I just care about freedom, man, because there is nothing more dangerous than having no freedom. Yeah, I mean, most of the most of the solutions that I come to in my mind is is, you know, anti-second amendment. Like there are people like that will say, "Oh, they illegally own guns." And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> you know, like you, they should have be able to have a gun." You know, what are you going to send the military down there and disarm them? Like, I, I can't think of any solution. Like you said, the government can't fix any of it. But I just I, I just think it's always frustrating when something bad happens. And then it's that whole circle, you know, thoughts and prayers. We need to let look, this is the world we live in. People have guns. People shoot each other. It sucks. I think um, I don't know, you know, culturally, I think if you can get people to have more value for human life, uh, that probably would help. Um, if you kept people in prison for their, you know, their actual amount of time, maybe that would help. But I don't even know if that would help. You know, I, if you fill the prisons up with everybody, I, I don't think that that changes. any. I don't know if they don't care about killing somebody. Do you think they care about doing 10 years in prison? Probably not. <laughs> You know, the real cause of this is, in my opinion, man, I, I think it's very simple. I, I haven't heard anybody else say this, though. I'm sure that it's been said by the likes of Peter Schiff or other sort of economists. But I was thinking about this, and it occurred to me one time when I was filling in on the American Journal here on InfoWars. It seems to me that we had a situation culturally around 1964 where 
there were very similar values among the black community and the white community in this country. There's a lot more sort of uh, homogeny or just sort of overlap, agreement, consensus yeah. about what was good, what was bad, values, all kind of the same religion, whatever, right? And there was a disparity between incomes among black people and white people. Of course, racism was much more explicit back in 1964 when yeah, the Civil right. Rights Act was passed, yeah. right? But divorce rates in the black community were actually, I believe, I could be mistaken about this, but in many cases, I believe they were slightly lower. Yeah, right? similar or lower, yeah. Mm -hmm. Similar or lower. So you have a situation where you have a poorer community, but with the same values, staying married, having kids, low crime. And when you watch protesters marching with Martin Luther King, they are dressed to the nines compared right. to any Black Lives Matter protest that you might see today. I mean, there's obviously something that happened. And what occurs to me is that when we got off the gold standard and inflation began to ramp up and hyperinflation under Carter and, you know, basically ever since then, mm -hmm. that was a tipping point for the black community where before they were just scraping by, but they were scraping by, they were making the ends meet. And that inflation was enough to make it so they weren't making ends meet. And so then you have increased stress in the home and you have increased likelihood of turning to crime in order to you know provide for your family. And then you have fathers being taken from their families and, and put in jail because they've committed these crimes. And then you have fatherless you know kids. And it seems like the cause of the sort of fork in the road in the racial cultures, which were basically the same culture before, is like directly correlated to going off the gold standard and the inflation that we saw. So in my oh. opinion, ironically speaking, the overspending of the government, which requires the selling of treasuries and the selling of treasuries requires the printing of money, the overspending of the government on welfare or wars or whatever we spend money on actually caused all of the problems that the minority communities in this country are facing today. And so the solution that is being sold to them is actually the poison that is causing yeah, the problem. Yeah. So it's like this recursive, just downward spiral of corruption and political figures just selling out the interests of their constituents as long as it guarantees that they remain in power and can inside trade. That's probably not a bad, uh, that's, I mean, it makes a lot of sense when you think of, you know, I'm relatively new to, you know, microscoping a lot of these leaders. And it sure, sure. seems like, uh, you know, they get out of the communities where they live and grew up. They stop caring about fixing the community and they, and they start only caring about staying in power. I think you're 100% right about that. You know, you, you get these progressive mayors. Uh, and again, there are guaranteed corrupt Republicans, too. But I just don't see... Uh, Republican run cities that people are shooting each other like hotcakes in or where they have, you know, um, you know, pot tent cities and, um, you know, homeless problems, drug problems out of control. But you, you could argue that um, you look at uh, that Seattle guy is the perfect. What is that guy's name? I'm trying to think of his name. He was like, I, the perfect remember, thing. I know who you're talking about. I remember he was like widely publicized that he moved. Like he was yeah, downtown, like going up to him in restaurants and like screaming at him and stuff. Yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, he had to deal with the people. That it was just like look at Nancy Pelosi's district. Like these people, you know, they get in this little insulated bubble. They don't have to live under the rules and laws that they, you know, the they don't have to suffer the consequences. Gavin Newsom, you know, locking out California, still going to his fancy restaurants, not wearing masks, all this stuff. Um, oh, was Mayor Adams in Portland? Was that it? 
it was one of it was Portland or Seattle where he like the dude, you know, it was right around the Chaz chop era. Yeah. And yeah. like he moved to like a fancier neighborhood. You know, these people don't have to live in the communities where they where they uh um you know the laws and then they once they get in power, they're corrupt as hell, enriching themselves. You know, the same people that say defund the police spend, you know, what's her name? Um uh the chick from Missouri, I think she spent six figures on personal security, even though she said defund the police mm-hmm. and also happened to be one of her personal security people were her boyfriend, also again corrupt. Um, you know, I think a lot of communities. Oh, it was no, it was Wheeler that I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, it was Ted yeah. Wheeler. Yeah. Um, you know, these corrupt people get in charge, and then the people, their constituents, like you said, they have no chance. They're just like, oh, well. Did you see uh, the movie Napoleon with Joaquin Phoenix? I did not watch it. No. Oh, Is it any okay. good? Well, yeah, yeah, I I liked it. I would give it a I would give it a B. It was okay. not as good as Gladiator. Yeah. And it wasn't very cohesive. It was basically a compilation of outstanding scenes featuring Napoleon more than okay. it was a continuous story. You know what I mean? I get Just it, watch yeah. when it comes out, whatever. But in the like the very first scene was so incredible. It was when they um, guillotined the the French queen. I can't even remember her name. I'm so ignorant about history sometimes. And you see her in this fancy dress, and she's being escorted out to the guillotine as you know, lettuce and tomatoes are being thrown at her and mud and shit, and the people yeah. screaming at her. During the you know, sort of French Revo- the the French Revolution, and she's just holding her her chin up high, like she's in the she's in the correct royal posture, and it's just so crazy to see you know this queen escorted from this palace in this suffering city of poverty, and still having such self righteousness that even in the face of the guillotine and the mob just screaming at her because of her failure as a leader. Marie Antoinette, was it? What's that? Marie Antoinette. So yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And, and Chat bailed me out. I didn't know that. Experiencing right now, I, these these people that are our political leaders, they see themselves as members of a different echelon, as like the Elysium elite. That's like the Hunger Games. Like literally, the they bought always, their own shit, man. Yeah, it's so wild when you see. I don't know if Rogan was talking about it, but one of the biggest. You know, and I think um, this is why communities are so are so messed up. Really, is because of this. Like these people just don't; they have no uh, consequences. First of all, you know, I have this pin on my hat that says a re, you know return to uh, return to what does it say? Return to oh, it doesn't say anything on it. it it's a it's a guillotine though, and it's like uh, there's no penalty for these. They don't go to jail. You see all these politicians who have salaries of $200,000 worth $40 million. Nobody wonders why. Nobody says anything. It's like, how can these people effectively lead? They're just getting rich. They just get rich. They write their book. They, they, you know, they get a $10 million Spotify deal. They don't give a shit about their people. Now, you go down a local, maybe mayors, maybe they're a little more inclined. But once you get up, into these upper, you know, Senate or the House, you're in DC. These people, they don't care. They don't care about the people who vote for them over and over again. And the people keep getting screwed, just like in Chicago. They just got rid of Beetlejuice. And then this next person is even worse. And it's like they've got no chance. And it is easy to get blackpilled on it. Living, I live out in a suburb, you know, there aren't houses on top of houses. I never have traffic. I don't have to deal with I understand that I'm like. That I'm like privileged in that manner. 
Like, I don't have to deal with this shit. I wasn't born in the inner Jeez, city. I guess, but anybody could move to the suburbs, man. Like, it's cheaper, actually, to live in the suburbs than in the inner city, isn't it? Well, yeah, it depends. But, I mean, yeah, f f in, you know, well, that is what's happening. And the suburbs are going to hell now, too, in Wisconsin. Um, the uh, yeah, man, when I was when I was 15 years old, I was in, in Chicago with some family friends and they had a kid, a son that was my age. And for some reason, my parents gave us permission at like 9 p.m. to leave the hotel and just stroll around downtown Chicago. <laughs> Not and anymore. We in, in mega country. Guy, we were in this homeless guy pops and we were just stupid 15 year old kids. And we're like, pops, show us where the hookers are. Right. Oh, it was yeah. all down yeah. Division Street. They on division. Right? <laughs> and he walks us there. We give him 20 bucks. He walks us. And I just remember being 15 years old, like, oh, I thought this was going to be cool. And oh, it was man. just the debauchery. And there were cops parked everywhere, arresting no one. And it was freezing. It was the middle of the winter. It's scantily dressed women. And I'm like, Pops, you're homeless, right? He goes, yeah, I'm homeless. <laughs> I go, why the hell did you decide to be homeless in Chicago in the winter? Why don't you go to Florida where it's warm all year? He goes, man, you putting ideas in my head. I don't know. <laughs> He's the guy ever. But now I know, of course, as an adult, that the reason he doesn't leave Chicago is because it would be a nightmare for him to establish a new drug connection. He probably had a terrible heroin problem or something like that at the time. But man, I, I don't know what my, my point was telling that story, but talking about these inner cities and this corruption and this accountability there is sort of a class system in this in this country, and it's not the traditional class system between poor, middle class, and wealthy. It's a different class system of sort of what I call the American class, actual like true American people, and the political class. So there are those that are members of the political class, either they're contractors who who supply services to the government or the military or they are professors or they're in academia which of course is all funded by the state or they're teachers or they're the politicians themselves or they're staffers or they're just ngos that depend on grants or nonprofits that depend on grants that's the political class which lives on a different plane than the american class which actually has to create something of value and put right. food on the right. table and feels the repercussions of the decisions of the other class in a disproportionate way than the members of that political class, which have the power to put in protections for themselves and neglect those protections for others. And so somehow we're gonna have to figure out a way to bridge that gap. The worst case scenario is the, the inevitable- people who could do it. Corruption. Yeah, well, the people, the people who do it are the ones that are, we're depending on the people who are corrupt to fix their own corruption. It'll never happen, right. you know? Right. Exactly. It's a total conflict of interest. They have absolutely no incentive to eliminate their own ability to inside trade and do things like that. It's terrible. All but these we people, can taxes. I know that's the really only real solution. Um, they can't, no, we'd have to, it, they can't put us all in jail. You know, people have to stop well, paying can. taxes. They can put you all in jail, but then they're definitely not getting any taxes. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's the, um, I think that, you know, without using too much, like, uh, there is a, um, there is something to Trumpism and aligning with this. Like, there are a lot of people in this country that are extremely pissed off, and I wonder how that plays out. I'll just put it that way. You know, I'm not like yeah, uh, in Germany in the 1920s. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. You know, you're talking about they had a right to be pissed off, but they were totally wrong about the culprit. <laughs> yeah, right? like yeah, something was terribly wrong. They were suffering. Their money was collapsing, 
And what happens when that level of suffering happens on a mass scale to a people who are uninformed is somebody gets blamed and it's very likely not actually that person or group or identity. So the Germans just happen to say, oh, it was the fucking Jews, right? And right. we all saw how that played out. Now they yeah. solved the problem by creating a new economy and, and creating a new monetary system and eliminating the, the debt that they had, but they obviously committed mass humanitarian crime against humanity with yeah. with the Holocaust, something I, I believe in. And I don't believe that the, the Jewish population was was responsible for the struggling of the German people during the 20s. I think it was the Treaty of Versailles and yeah. some terrible leadership decisions that were made at the end of the 19-teens at the end of World War One. But the point I'm trying to make is when there's an incredible amount of suffering that is onset over a short period of time and there's a populace that doesn't understand why there will that creates a power vacuum and a charismatic leader can come into that power vacuum and point the finger at an ideal enemy for whatever their political ambition is and they can rally everybody around that narrative regardless of whether it's true and they they seize enough power to solve all the problems but they also commit all the evil that's sort of proportionate to the their their power right mm -hmm. and so my concern in this country is that as this corruption begins to unfold and manifest, the inevitable outcome is collapse because corruption is just inherently unsustainable. It just – a lie just can't stand in the face of truth kind of thing. It just – almost like a law of physics, corruption inevitably collapses. And so what's going to happen is when the collapse takes place, there's going to be a rapid onset of economic suffering and hardship and struggling among the American people. And my concern is whether it's from the right – or it's from the left, some group, and I don't claim to understand which group or know which group, yeah. some group is going to be blamed. And it's possible that the right group will be blamed, but it's very likely that it's going to be fairly arbitrary. And it's just going to be whoever has the most, whoever is the most charismatic personality that seeks power is going to just arbitrarily determine what enemy they think is most conducive to their success. Yeah, that's, that's the, that's the, you know, when Tim talks about his civil war, I, I often meme it, but like, I do have major concerns of like a soft coup or like, um, you know, stuff that is just, you know, people are waking up a little bit to, I mean, it's just every other day, there's another corrupt politician. It's like, at some yeah. point people are going to be like, what are we going to do about this? And, you know, obviously I'm not calling for anything or I'm not, I'm just worried that if they don't get their shit, their stuff, sorry, their stuff together, that there's going to be something bad that happens, whether it's riots or it's, you know, this side or the other thing, you know, we, I think that November, 2024 is obviously a po huge powder keg. Um, and it's just, remember, remember the 5th of November. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, there's a huge powder keg. I think people are, by the way, uh, just so people know who uh, in chat, I'm joined here by chase geyser a uh, jack of all trades over at infowars his twitter and instagram are both linked in the description below please do give him a follow if you're not already but also um i, I do worry and you know it's like i think about okay what about let, let's say trump wins four years okay then what right because then the whole trump saga goes away i i you know it, it's like okay he fades off into whatever presidents do after their president get rich or whatever the case is. Right. It's like, now who, what? who listened to the doors after Jim Morrison died? Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's basically true for all presidents too. And so it's like, okay, fine. Now what, 
because you know the problems that America has is uh, will not be fixed in four years, and the, and the problems are accelerating at a rate that is unsustainable. Millions pouring over the border. What are we going to do with these people? What are we going to do with twenty million people that all require state aid? I mean, it's not what we're going to do with them. It's what are they going to do with us? Well, right. I mean, that's you know that's the other thing. I mean, I turn on the TV every day. There's oh migrant gangs in New York on mopeds robbing people nonstop. Ah, uh, you know. Just another day, just another headline. And that goes towards, you know, again, my concern about when you talk about people pointing the finger, finger, you know, people are going to, you know, people only take so much crap for so long. And, you know, Trump can come in and say he's going to deport them. But good luck, you know, good luck getting even half of them. They didn't give him the wall the first time around. He's not going to get the second time around. So even if he wins, it's going to be a massively uphill battle for four more years. So then it's like, okay, now what? Biden's dead. Trump's, you know, in his 90s or whatever. It's 2028. You know, now what? And I'm hoping that, you know, there are some political leaders on the come up that are more America first, that, um, you know, there are small pockets, but the Republican Party needs to be essentially gutted because there's a lot of uniparty love going on in there. There's a lot of Republicans who want to send all of our money to Ukraine or to Israel. Um, and I just don't think any of that. It feels like, you know, the, a definition of taxation without representation. It feels like treasonous to continue to send money in this proxy war. And at some point, like, people got to get out and vote. Otherwise, the, the alternatives to that are worse. Every alternative to getting out and voting these people out is historically worse. And we know how that stuff plays out. I absolutely agree with everything that you said, and I don't have much to say to elaborate on it because I, I think you nailed it. You have to get involved. You have to get out and vote. Same old song and dance that you hear time and time again. It, 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 it's it, you're not boring, but but, but the, I get just, it. Yeah, I know. I, I, just, yeah. I just hate saying that it's like so not satisfying, right? Like anybody that has any sort of passion or ambition or or or, or tr genuine like desire for this problem to be solved when you hear get out and vote it's like that for me my vote isn't good enough i i want a voice too and that's why i spent so much time trying to build my following and getting involved in this stuff despite the fact that it made no sort of career sense for me to do so i, I took a lot <laughs> of time out of my business where i was making way more money to do this yeah. and if you are wanting to solve this problem yes you have to get out and vote but you got to do more than that too because that's obviously not enough yeah. Well, that's one thing I say on my show, too, is it's like, look at what the Democrats did in 2020 and do more of it. Like, you can't vote harder. You like you vote and then you go get your buddy who never votes either and you make them vote. Then you get involved in local politics. You got to actually like I say this and with I calling myself out too. like I need to start getting in like some of my local boards or something because like it's easy to bitch about it on the Internet. And, um, you know, I think a lot of that's one biggest gripe I have with Trump. He's like, oh, don't mail and vote, vote on the same day. I'm like, well, you just made it easier for them to have voting machine problems, allegedly. You know, like right. we have to vote. Yes, but we have to get more involved. The Democrats are the people that want to destroy this country are infinitely better at it. Just look at the summer of love. Those people got hundreds of thousands of people in the street on the on a you know on a finger snap, and to cause billions of dollars in damage, um, and 
you know, people that are that are pro this country don't seem to want to work together. Republicans don't generally work together. People who are America first generally don't work together very well. Everyone sees each other as competition. It's it's that's got to change um, going forward. That's people got to start working together. People got to start getting involved, even if it's at the local level, because, you know, hey, whatever that stupid taxes that you be. I bet you most people would be shocked how easy it is to get on your town council board or whatever. And I bet you you get in there and you find all sorts of shit going on that you didn't know about. Like they got, you know, they're. They got the snowplow contract to their brother and they got this going on. I bet you people could, you could root out all sorts of crap like that by just getting involved because it starts local. You know, these people, you know, if your local, your local government affects 99% of your life, you know, the, whatever they do in Washington doesn't really affect your life that much. Um, other than obviously inflation. So if I shouldn't say that, but what happens locally is also, I think often overlooked in the bigger kind of, gigantic elephant of uh stuff sucking ass in, in this country i agree and obviously the problem is so multifaceted right so obviously okay voter turnout's important okay getting involved is important but the, the problem with that man is that everybody's struggling so hard right now everybody's so busy right now and if you should have been to a school board meeting or a city council meeting it sucks. It feels like Saturday detention. It feels like the breakfast club. You go in there in this fluorescent room with these people that hate you, that are obviously dumber than you, making suggestions that trigger you because they're just so stupid. I mean, it, it's incredibly frustrating for good, reasonable people to get involved at a local level. And what the left has really done. That's what they want. You know, you're too yeah, busy I'm trying not, to pay right, your heating bill. Right. Yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to discourage this, but what the left yeah. has done that has that has made it so successful is somehow they have a disproportionate number of incredibly powerful billionaires on their side. That's and true. the likely reason of that is is that if you reach the level of a net worth of billions, it's almost impossible to accomplish that without doing some sort of substantial work with the government as a client. Yep. Because the government's the only customer sort of that size to to do that, right? So they have the Soroses and the Bezoses and the Zuckerbergs and others who do donate millions upon millions of dollars to miscellaneous campaigns from at every level, to PACs at every level with very strategic, intentional, well-funded initiatives top-down and the only billionaire that the right has, and Elon Musk is even of the right, is, is is Elon Musk. So we got this one rogue guy. What we need to do yeah. is we need we need to produce <clears throat> badass sort of Rockefeller, Henry Ford level industrialists, like just entrepreneurs that kick ass, reach self-actualization. And then once they have accomplished that level of success, just throw all of their weight into counterbalancing this sort of monopoly over financial influence on politics in this country that we've seen from the likes of Soros for the last several decades. And I don't, I don't know how we accomplish that other than having children, raising them properly, fighting for the nuclear family, and being committed to being the best versions of ourselves that we can. I know that sounds cliche, but it's, it's genuinely true. The, America can only be as good as Americans are good. So mm -hmm. 
the, the smallest but perhaps most significant way to make this country a better place is just to be a better citizen of it, a, a better patriot of it. Do things like take care of yourself, try to exercise. And I fail at this stuff too all the time. You know, try to educate yourself, try to become aware, try, try to become better at your job, try to get the promotion. Success, in my opinion, the, the pursuit of personal success, as long as it's not at the expense of anyone else, is yeah. one of the greatest things that a person can do for their country. Yeah, you're making I, your country more successful. Yeah. And uh, on that note, I want to let people know if, uh, if you want to support Chase, you know, obviously um, I have his Twitter and his Instagram where you can follow up on him. You can also check out infowarsstore.com, pick out, he's got two books sitting in front of him. Looks like he's got the great awakening in front of him. And then he's also yeah, got, great reset. these are Jones's yeah, books. They're great. Yeah. yeah. Great books to read. Check those out. Um, I, I have you put, do you put your any of your fill in spots like on a rumble page or any or you just go on the show page that you're filling in they're for? They're all on band.video. Everything gets uploaded to band.video. And uh, I do upload reels and shorts and things like that on both my Twitter account and my Instagram account. Okay. Um, if I have time to, if I have time to cut it up, my, my focus has shifted since I started working here from trying to build my podcast and my personal brand mm -hmm. to trying to make InfoWars as powerful and effective as, as possible. Because mm -hmm. frankly, the work that I can do here at InfoWars is astronomically more impactful than the work I could have ever done on my own, sort of at my house, barking into, yeah. into him. Just because Jones has put 30 years into this company and this brand and this audience. So I made the decision I'm not abandoning my, my my personal brand or anything like that, but I just right. made the decision right. to hyper focus on on this operation because uh, I, I want to win. I want Trump to win the election in, in the fall, and yeah. I believe that every minute I spend here is equivalent to every maybe month I would spend by my by myself in terms yeah. of actual impact on the exterior political climate. Love it, yeah. And um, I you've been. Uh, very interesting conversations today. I want to let you get back to your job. Uh, and um, we'll, you know, we'll be watching out for you. You can always reach out. Let me know. It's been a great conversation. And um, I, I, uh, I look forward to having you on again sometime. I, I really enjoyed being with you, man. I've been, like I said, a fan for a long time. So mm -hmm. it's always cool to get to be sort of part of the dialogue. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor yeah. and a pleasure. And I look forward to interacting with you more in the future. All right, bud. Well, uh, you, have a, you have a great weekend. I'm going to stay live for a little bit and cover some of today's news. And then uh, you get out and uh, be about the work. Love you, bud. See you. Yeah, love you. All right. Um, he goaded me into the, uh, he guilted me into the return love you there at the end. The uh, King of Biltong, by the way, good afternoon from Anton's in Roanoke, Texas. Free shipping for your Biltong with code THEQ on BiltongUSA.com, AntonUSA.com. Looking for a high-protein snack alternative? Get you some Biltong. I have some Biltong on the way as well. Looking forward to that. Uh, boop. Okay. How do I move the bar school sports button? Yeah, I'm not loving that either. I get it. I get it. But I don't watch Barstool Sports. I watch other people and it's like, you know. 
it's whatever though. What's good for the business is good for the business, I suppose. Uh, would you have Mel K on? I don't know who that is. Um, I do want to let you know, whoops, is today we're going to hang out a little bit on locals. So if you want to join that, I'm going to start a new stream over on locals and, uh, and because I need to, uh, record some videos. So we're going to do a little post-show hangout. I'd love for you to join me. If you click the, uh, the basement button here and you can join my locals, it's five bucks a month and, uh, it goes directly supporting the channel and directly to supporting my meme team, my video editors, graphic designer, all that kind of stuff. Would love to see you join. What do you guys got going on this weekend? How many platforms do we need? I mean, you don't have to join. You don't have to have a meltdown about it. It's okay. Rabbit hunting. Fun. You know, I saw some guys out hunting in Blaze Orange last weekend. I don't know what hunting season is even open in Wisconsin right now. Maybe they were rabbit hunting. Gonna get some snow tonight. Might rain, it might snow, might be 70. Oh, is it small game? I didn't think you had to wear blaze orange for small game. No, it wasn't turkey. Turkey season's like in fall. They were standing like in the woods too. So I, they might have been squirrel hunting. Must have been. Coyote. I think coyote season is year round in Wisconsin. I think. Yeah, maybe squirrel. Blaze orange in all seasons, if not on private land. That's not true. You don't have to wear blaze orange when you're duck hunting. Oh, you mean on public land? Okay, yeah, yeah, public land, probably true. Yeah, correct. That's probably true. How do coyotes taste? I don't know. I just kill them and leave them for other animals to eat. The problem with uh, killing coyotes is it doesn't really work. You have to you have to kill like all of them because what ends up happening is you get one or two, but then the the other coyotes sense the drop in their numbers and they have more pups in the spring. It's wild. Like you have to totally wipe out 
get into the den, wipe out all of them. Otherwise, you're not going to get rid of them. So, like, plugging one or two, um, that's not sustainable. What? I don't want to sustain it. I want to kill them all. Yeah, female coyotes go into overdrive. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you're setting up a reef tank. I've I've tried reef tanks a couple of times, and uh, Jeremy's suggesting a final solution, a final coyote solution. Yes. And feral pigs too. Yeah. You have to literally make it your full time job. The weird thing about feral pigs though is, don't they taste good? I thought they taste. I thought um, feral pigs tasted pretty good. Am I wrong about that? So at least they taste good. They don't taste good. How many counts have you turned into pelts? I don't. I let nature take the course. I inject them with lead from a distance and let them lay. Let the other coyotes know. You shouldn't eat feral hogs. Is that true? That doesn't seem true. I see people eat them all the time. Oh, they're skunky. Oh, so they don't taste good. Interesting. So you just leave them lie then? Oh, I didn't know that. I thought that, I thought at least they, okay, so the chat's divided. I thought they ate them. I thought people who ate them. These people don't know what they're talking about. Okay, so they do taste good. Feral pigs have a high chance of having parasites in the meat. The meat's tougher from all the muscle buildup. Uh, okay. Interesting. You do eat them. Okay. I'm sure there's something edible in there. If the hog you harvest happens to be a young boar or a fat sow of any age, you're in, some, in for some excellent eating. Most wild hogs have far less fat than their domestic counterparts, which calls for slow cooking with moisture. A hindquarter from wild hog makes some very tasty pulled pork. So people eat the shit out of them. Yeah, you just slow cook them, just like anything. They do carry a lot of diseases, such as swine influenza, looks like. Yeah, pig is pig. Okay, cool. Well, we're going to go, I'm going to do a locals hangout chat. After this, I hope that today will be the day. I know everyone's always asking you to support. I get it. I get it. I know times are tough. I would never judge you or feel, you know, feel like I need to pressure people. But 
we do, you know, if you join my locals, we do locals only content. We, um, you know, it helps the channel immensely. You just click the word, the basement here. And then you can join. If you join for the year, you get two months free. Otherwise it's five bucks a month, the price of a cup of coffee. And it goes directly. Can we close out on rumble watching the disco scene from airplane? Hold on a second. There you go. I didn't go there that night. I just dropped in for a couple of drinks. No sweat. Suddenly, there she was. Oh. Entranced. It hit me like a thunderbolt. I had to ask the guy next to me to pinch me to make sure I wasn't dreaming. I was afraid to approach her. But that night, fate is on my side. Uh, it just stabbed him. It's okay. Yeah, we'll see you guys Monday at uh, Monday at the regular time. I've got a local stream coming up in about ten minutes. Let me. I'm gonna make a sandwich if that's all right. I'm kind of hungry, and then we'll go live. So see you over on the after show and locals in just a few minutes.